we're back. Welcome to Print Your Games, the games for the 3D printing enthusiast, where we teach you how to make the most out of the magic box that makes all the toys we make. I'm your host, Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param, and I'm joined by... Kristen and Sowerts, also known as Lost Spheres. Hey, Kristen. Now this, first we want to thank everyone who has responded to our first episode. It has been incredibly well received. We are super happy for all the positive comments, all the sharing, and we hope that those of you who are returning enjoy this episode as much as you've enjoyed the last one and those in the future. Now, thank you, thank you, thank you. All that said and done, we have not been sitting idle. We have been burning those 3D printers up. We've been making more projects, and we are going to begin our episode today like we usually do, which is talk about what we're working on at the moment. So Christian, what is your first project that you're working on? Well, I'm just finishing up my Dragar Soul Reavers, actually the best year Berserkers from Battleyak. Um, I did, again, kind of a gradient uh, prime on them and then contrasted them up. They're super, super colorful. My players were freaked out by them. I had them kind of emerge from these planar rifts during a combat recently. And uh, yeah, 100% achieved uh, desired result. I loved it. Awesome. Yeah, these are really well done. You, again, made use of that clear resin this is the clear red uh that is actually clear orange and i wanted to mention that um the clear orange actually accepts the red i actually used the red contrast i want to say flesh terror maybe uh mm. red um it was it went really really well it is interesting though they are definitely not all the same just so folks know that out there uh the purple magos purple and the um something violet something viducci i don't know it that's a violet one it it does not take nearly as well um and strangely the corax white primer did not receive it as well as the colored primers i used from army painters so because i did a gradient prime again uh I think shifting from black to, pur to purple to blue to white. Um, and then again, just to save time on a batch paint. And um, yeah, the Corex white actually, which is, I was thinking it was GW. I thought it would be like the happiest thing with the contrast paint, but no, it did not like it. And and that is a with contrast coming into its own these last couple of years, uh, the uh, zenithal priming and gradient priming and then putting contrast over top of it is an incredibly effective technique to get good looking miniatures very fast on the table. These look great. Uh, were they easy for you? Any problems? Um, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty good. However, I have learned um, black resin, like really dark black i used elegoo mm -hmm. uh for the non-transparent parts and that was a beast um it's so dark that if you're not in exceptionally good lighting uh like an ot light pretty much you're tearing off your supports and stuff is very very difficult and my my um workstation for cleaning and you know peeling all that off is actually out my garage because it's messy mm -hmm. and um lighting is not great in there and so it was it was very frustrating because it's so dark you know when you're trying to do with those really really fiddly bits because i also did some Drago Reavers and a couple other things. Some I must say it was Primeval Heart or something, but mm -hmm. um, a couple other support figs that uh, they were so fiddly and, and tiny and the dark resin, it was very easy to break stuff off. Um, mm -hmm. And so the black resin was not my friend. The um, translucent red was Rich Opto, I think, which was from that batch I got on sale a little bit. And it was fantastic. Um, mm. I, I cannot talk enough about how much I like that stuff. It's very easy to use. The orange is it pops and like i said a lot of the um uh contra contra contrast paints just go right over it and it looks looks great it takes the colors really well um, i think it actually makes the red really good this is where i want to remind everyone that we are filming these episodes live in front of a youtube slash facebook audience if you type a comment down below or into the youtube chat we will try to address those comments and questions throughout the show so hey always accepting those questions please and thank you I, I have a hard time with black resin and i also have a really hard time with the exact opposite pure white resins and that is why i've avoided those like the plague also black resins you need to expose them slightly longer than other resins so just the choice to go black uh means that you are going to make the print long take longer than it needs to well, it was very frustrating, too, to deal with priming them because the base coat I used in that gradient was <laughs> black. And so it was really hard to tell if it was done or not. I will say this positive for it for the Elegoo stuff. Um, the I did some hollowing on those big bodies for the Berserkers, and they drained really well and cured very well. So that was nice. So how are you priming the clear stuff? Uh, so that's kind of tricky. Actually, I, I generally 
don't. I use the contrast kind of as my prime because it gets really good coverage and hangs on there. And then once you have that on there, you can um, apply other base coats and things on it. So just straight on with the contrast. And um, then I was working in some purple. I did not, like I said, it did not cling very well, um, but to try to fade in that um, transition. And once once uh, I get a chance to circle back on it, I'm probably going to keep trying. I might try some ink. Um, actually, I've had another uh, pretty good successful run with some India inks on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did some of that and the resin will take it, uh, oddly enough, especially if your cure is kind of like just fresh and it's just a tiny bit tacky, it'll take it in there and you can then finish your cure uh, and then it'll get a nice base color on it. If you wanted to shift it or try to highlight some of the, I've heard some people get a good results. Um, I haven't tried this myself using, uh, varnish as a primer over top of the clear resins totally see that because you know a lot of the contrasts are like glaze medium almost and so mm-hmm. you could definitely uh i bet just like a, a nice solid matte varnish mm-hmm. might work and that's something i will about, experiment that's something Sorry. about 3d printed resins that uh i don't uh that if you're new to uh 3d printing you might not consider when you are doing it right quote unquote with uh, store-bought models one of the things you're often told is that you have to wash them like you know because they often have mold release on it and mold release is designed to prevent things from sticking to models like paint and uh yep. you know you want the paint to stick to the models that's kind of what you want to happen so uh but with the 3d printed stuff not only is the the resin in its purest form after we get done printing it and washing it we've already dunked this stuff in alcohol or uh, acetone or some other washing agent Agent that has more than taken any residue that would get in the way of our paint off of here. But again, that doesn't mean that it's going to bond really well. Uh, and I have run into a problem where some primes, when put onto a resin piece, doesn't fully cure. So you will get like, it will stay a little bit tacky all its life. Though once you put a layer of paint on that and seal it, then that's no longer a problem. Yeah, it's usually fine. Uh, sometimes if it's still curing, they also crack. I've just, the, mm. the prime can crack. So I would I would watch that. Um, but yeah, when you're, when you're mixing the translucent pieces with the the darker pieces i would also say you know if you're going to do xenophil primate do that after assembly to kind of keep your shades even because i didn't i did some of both and it made it look wonky mm-hmm. um however if you're going to do some like tinting and things like that like i've said with the glazes or the um contrast you know contrast stuff uh i would definitely do that uh before assembly it was kind of a fiddly bit to get some of that in there and then i hit a couple prime spots that just messed them up so you say this word assembly and i don't do assembly i i put I all know. my miniatures together before they even hit the printer someday i will learn them. your ways i, I will do it teaching my ways on on videos other videos on this channel to watch soon however <laughs> I, mixing and matching the the two types sometimes the assembly is going to work in a favor so yeah sub assemblies are easier to paint gigantic tower shields do make it hard to get the brush in all right exactly. so this is this ties into to my next project because i just got a very happy box from hasbro and no it wasn't a load of DD books uh it was the hero quest print if i'm news of this has been going around a lot right yep. and it's a big old giant box filled with miniatures and it, it looks impressive and, it, and i got the mythic tier of course which has like a billion miniatures and stuff and you know I'm a little bit less excited about it now, a few years later, because I don't need an infinite supply of HeroQuest generic fantasy-looking miniatures. But I do love me some HeroQuest. But I'm sitting here looking, you know, like, but I got all these miniatures and this cool 3D furniture that comes with this thing. But it's on this cardboard board. Who wants to play on cardboard, right? Yeah. And so I've been like, I've been wanting to print up a dungeon tile set for a while now. And I, at one point in time, did buy like a gigantic collection of Forge. And I ultimately sold it because it was a hassle to store. It was a hassle to use. The big old walls got in the way. And it just really wasn't for me and my style. I know some people love it to pieces. And if you love the Dwarven Forge, you know, more power to. And there's lots of 3D printable dungeon tiles that that will reenact that. I mean, like, Fat Dragon Games exist because Tom Tullis wanted Dwarven Forge, but Dwarven Forge costs too much. And right. uh, and that's that's the one of the reasons that Fat Dragons does the Fat Dragon thing. And Tom's a friend of mine and uh and we and I've heard that story many times. I've also love it when he sets the piece on fire, uh, which is something you can do with the 2D printed uh paper terrain. But I don't like walls in the way. I like, yeah. and there are like low height wall options. And so I've been scouring the internet looking for what would be my perfect 3D dungeon tile system. And I came really close to getting the Warlock tiles. In fact, I really like the Warlock tiles uh, that WizKids makes. 
because then I could. I'm also. Oh, sorry. That's okay. I'm also a really big fan of Dungeons Lasers. I I, I really like that set too, especially because they're module walls. You can pull off Mm -hmm. half of them and kind of do that open face look Mm -hmm. so that people can see everything. But yeah, good stuff. And I like um, one of the reasons I do like the Dungeons Lasers stuff for similar reasons, but I do like the Dwarven, not the Dwarven Forge, but the Warlock tiles because they're cross compatible with Open Lock and Dragon Lock. And that's a great thing. So you could 3D print a bunch of stuff. Also, Cast and Play, which I'm a patron on, gives a whole bunch of Open Lock terrain every single month, which is also yep. useful. And ultimately, guys, shows none of that. I went around and, and looked, and lo and behold, there is a uh, Kickstarter. Uh, that you can still late pledge into. I pledged one that was still running. Called Fantasy Dungeons Modular System by Kraken Studios. And this is 2.5 uh, 3D printable terrain. It's uh, They support both resin printing and FDM printing, which is not something a lot of dungeon tile systems do support. So they do directly support resin printing their tiles. And it's this cool system where the tiles are really thin and really flat, which means they're going to be super easy to store. And along the sides of all the tiles are these grooves that you can uh, and put a little uh, little tab to connect them in. and they just sort of imply the 3d elements with like these overhanging arches and just like little bits of rubble and wall that are optional you can take those off and plug those in and make completely flat tiles if you don't want and i like this look because it very much is impressive to look at it shows a lot of 3D elements. It's very artistic. Uh, it, you can see, see what the dungeon is meant to be like when you're exploring it. But there's nothing getting in the way of your figures. And, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. checking out the video now that you, you sent me. And just, just it's hypnotic. Like right. watching the assembly and how slick it is. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these um, you know, can be a little fiddly with their clips. And this looks so smooth. And then, um, man, the, the doors popping out so seamlessly and everything. Mm-hmm. And you're right. You're just those little half kind of archways and implied walls are fantastic. Like uh, I've gone so all in. On, like, I've got a lot of Warlock. I've got a lot of DNL. And um, now I'm like, this does look good, though. It, it, oh, I could print like a huge set of it. It's fantastic. Yeah. And, and the late pledges aren't very expensive either. And I like it because it'll store this store's super flat. So I've been printing up a bunch of this. Um, and one of the reasons things I really like is if I scroll down here enough, I will get to they actually support and made pieces special for building a hero quest board or a warhammer quest or that entire lineage i'm trying to scroll down to the materials they actually map out exactly which pieces you need to print from their set in order to make the hero quest board and that is oh boy i love it so we got alvin shaver in chat saying uh love fat dragon games tiles and open lock tiles i agree those are fantastic options and they and there's so much options available for you i'll probably be uh, printing a bunch of those up soon as well um but uh, but these this is where i'm deciding to go right now for my fantasy system uh, and the kickstarter was super successful so there's like a thousand different tile sets so there's like there's caves and dungeons and weird alien dungeons with tentacles and there's an ice dungeon coming out for it and a lava dungeon and like you know all the kinds you'd want so it's it's a good all-inclusive set and one of the things they unlocked early is it does also include a build it yourself kit so that you can custom make like the size tiles and pieces you if you just like import the raw assets in the blender and then just like arrange the tiles uh, exactly like the ones you need to print and then just spit it on out to you. Um, also a cool thing is these were designed to print edge onto the build plate on a on FDM printers and when you print edge on with these and if, this is a tip for all dungeon trains so if you're printing fat dragon if you're printing any open lock set that supports this if you print edge on then all the layer lines are going to be vertical uh to the uh to, to the level of detail that you do not matter and so that weird topographic map that you see on rocks and stuff when you print them in fdm is mm-hmm. much less reduced like if you look at the the picture here these were printed that way and you don't see those like little floating island rocks like you see on so, a lot of terrain for for newer uh people to the hobby when you say edge on how what do you mean by that i mean that you take the the tile instead of putting the bottom of the tile flat on the build plate you flip it up on its side and you're in it's like long and thin up in the air and uh, that also gives the advantage that you can just queue up several onto the build plate all at right. once. You can get a uh, ton with on FDM, there. With that doesn't save you a lot of time. This does in resin, and uh, so that I would, um, I would like absolutely uh, look at that. And then Alex is saying, "Param, you probably know me better as Raising Rune Lords." 
since you guys have such a time with my surname. I'm so sorry, Alex, but uh, I am so sorry. But yeah, uh, Alex, Racing Rune Lords, fantastic podcast. Go check, go check out. Um, the, uh, no, I'm sorry. That's the uh, Rise of the Rule Lords is the podcast. Sorry, Alex, for that double confusion. Um, and these are great. So I love these tiles. I love uh, the idea of this. I'm going to get a bunch of these printed and painted out. Uh, and I'll, I'll touch back with how it went. The set also came up with like some some lovely grim dark fantasy style figures for that you can tell that honestly that whoever made this terrain really loves them some Warhammer Quest specifically and mm-hmm. wants to play Warhammer Quest. And looking at it, that that late pledge looks like it's fifty six bucks roughly. Um, it's 50, 50 euros, but it says fifty six bucks roughly conversion. So yeah, that's, that's not much. Fantastic. At all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's the all edge too there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh yeah. The dungeon master pledge. Let's be honest. I didn't look at anything else. Cause it looks <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's each do one more. What else do you want to talk about? You're working on. Um, well, I've been starting out the iron band, iron, sorry, iron bound. I can say this, uh, by, um, Fleshcraft Studios, and they are some killer undead. I almost derailed uh, my Berserkers because I was so excited when I saw them. Uh, it's a modular set, um, so it, it, you know the the graphic I think we've got for it is just presenting up like maybe five or six of them. But you can make dozens of different builds with it, and they're they're um, tied to this lich who's got kind of like a uh, the cursed iron is what animates them, and so they have all these weapons fused into them, and they're gnarly looking. Again, speaking of grimdark stuff, just if you want to up level some skeletons so the encounter isn't boring, you know they, they just look fantastic, and I think make some undead encounters. Look uh, that are normally kind of classic but kind of samey they'll look very very different and uh they're just they're really cool they're gonna be awesome to paint up so i'm excited i, I, I like the looks of these um they they definitely have like i like extras on the set of hellraiser kind of uh vibe going for them <laughs> uh, yeah i can see that yeah so i i like that you can have you've been working on a lot of different undead projects and i'm like i've got some skeletons i don't need any more skeletons but you've been like trying to get a whole bunch of different types right i want nine different armies that all have feels so it's it's gonna be a, a big project um but i think i think in the end it'll it's it's working out there's a lot of good content out there and like i said uh that fleshcraft studios um set is amazing my uh the final thing i want to talk about is that I am really proud of finishing this project, which is a project um, that I, I hint I showed pieces of last time when I talked about my high elf army, uh, and it is this. Uh, I'm holding it over the camera now. This is what's uh, for Kings of War. It's called a Dracon Horde, and the cool thing about Kings of War that you need to understand is that uh, it's a lot because it the base size doesn't change, even though this is supposed to represent a whole bunch of troops. Uh, people do scenic builds, so they they sort of make the the little base that they actually play with into a little diorama, which can be really impressive. And this was my first attempt at that, where I had to make the base custom because the fig, the two eagle riders, it, it's two giant eagles, and I can only fit two of them on the base that is the right size right. for the unit. So I made this custom base that I could slot them into where they needed to be, and then I decorated the base, three D printed out a bunch of like ruined elven buildings and pillars and fallen over rubble and painted that up. And then I printed up a whole bunch of tiny little eagles, which are to scale normal eagle size. And then, gotcha. and then like glued them into place, like with their wingtip, just barely touching a pillar and, and just to make them look like they're flying around. And that has been uh, a project I've been working on for a couple of weeks now. And I was so glad to finally get it, get it going. I've got a picture of it up here. And uh, so I showed off the Eagle Rider itself. I've got the Eagle without a rider and then like all these little Eagles. And I was only able to do this because I've lost connection. And are we back on stream? Do we have success? We do. And I'm going to turn off Facebook Live so it doesn't come through my mic now. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. So I was talking very briefly about the... Uh, the Eagle Rider, and why I wanted to bring it up is because it's something I could only do by 3D printing, because I printed the Eagles, and I printed their flat stands, and they needed to be on specific places on this base, and I wanted them to be removable so I could still remove the two big giant Eagles and use them in other games. I, I caught that. That looks really slick, too. The way they pop off there it looks yeah. like, like seamless. 
So I kind of just like put them on the base uh, where I need them to be and come on camera, zoom in on them. Uh, well, I'll just there, it just it did it right when you pulled it away. We had just zoomed in. You disappoint <laughs> me, camera. <laughs> and I'm going to pull them up on on here. And uh, so they're removable. So I made the base in Blender with the, exactly the right where I needed the bases on after placing them on like a piece of cardboard the right size. And I was able to then 3D print all the elements and then the 3D print. Those are uh, the, the, the giant eagles are from Titan Forge and the little eagles are from Velrock. And uh, this is an entire piece that went from my brain to all the modeling pieces I needed to print within a day, including the custom base. And I would have had to like carve this out of foam and it wouldn't have looked anywhere near as good or out of cork or something if I wanted to pull this same trick off myself. Or like I have a dude at Warcrest Creations, uh, which is the uh, the place that I like to uh, get my um, custom MDF from. I would have been like, here's the, here's the thing. And then two weeks later, but with 3D printing, I can just go, I have a wild idea for a weird uh, model idea. I need a custom base this minute. And you have it. And that's something you yep. can only do with 3D printing and just a little bit of confidence in Blender uh, to, to just punch holes in a big square object. On my Berserkers, their legs set. And no matter what I could do, I couldn't, because they're supposed to be 50, 50 millimeters, but they're just, their legs set are so wide. And I was really frustrated by it, but then I was just like, you know what? I can just upsize a base a little bit and it'll mm -hmm. be fine. And just this moment of panic that just suddenly went away the second I thought about it for like just a few seconds. It's like, oh, just do this. Or I can pick one that has like a, a custom outcropping of rock or something and just tilt it and it'll be fine. Like, and, and that problem solving capacity and the learning curve, it's just, it's amazing. And yeah, it's so cool that you can just kit bash stuff like that I, i've got to actually get into using blender and more lightly stuff tweaking everything and I i'll probably about never go so back once i do it i bet but we'll see and i talked about a little bit last week with titan forge of making the pre-support that's available on different scales but if even if that doesn't happen and you're playing a game at a certain scale or you know you need to like make sure that all your models match up you can just easily resize anything inside the slicer itself right before you support it to print and you'll be good to go and the reverse is true like i've seen people uh, use hero forge uh, to make like giants and then print them really big and so they took a hero forge figure which is you know only like this and then blew yep. it up to the scale of a hill giant and it looks really fantastic and if you yep. want like a display piece like some like the as long as the model is relatively decently detailed and most of the professional ones buy are you can just like you know i need a four inch tall space marine. you can have one people were making custom parts for the mcfarland action figures for the space marines by just taking like little bitty space marines and then like blowing their guns up to the size that that kung fu grip can get a hold of you can also go backward i did a lord of the print dragon because i needed a medium-sized dragon i took mm -hmm. one of their their it was their young dragon it was still massive bigger than my build plate but i just shrank it down and their sculpts are so detailed but so good that it didn't it didn't lose hardly anything I, even, even though it was done that mean scale those were the print dragons are just a they are time we get to the topic at hand the main topic of the episode which is getting started 3d printing so we talked about last episode why you would want to get into 3d printing and you've the and you've listened to our advice we've convinced you we've we've pushed you over the edge and it's finally time to throw down that money get those 3d printers going and get it booted up so what do we need to do to start 3D printing? And it is really not as daunting of a, a an investment or, or or a hobby as it might seem when first in when when you first look at it. We've talked about resin and failures and all this little side aspects of the hobby. But getting into it at a base level is not really that difficult and not very expensive at all. Um, but first thing you need to ask yourself is what want to be printing, right, Kristen? Absolutely. You know, just get your mind on it, whether or not you want the tiles, the terrain, minis. If you want everything, you might be looking at a couple of machines. Um, go ahead. Yeah. And we talked about it. So there are two different types of 3D printers, right? But they're popular. There is the old style that you're probably familiar with if you've seen a lot of it on like TV and stuff, which is filament based printers, the FDM printers. These are the ones where you have these 
spools of plastic uh, of, of plastic filament that kind of looks like weed eater string. You feed it into a nozzle, and the nozzle moves around onto a bed and just squirts out molten plastic until you get a cool-looking terrain piece like this one here I'm holding in my hand. And that is the first type of 3D printers that kind of hit the market for the consumer level in the older style. And it still has a place in the industry today because it's great for large pieces of terrain. I printed houses, I printed humongous ruins pieces. If you're doing dungeon tiles, because we mentioned that dimensional accuracy, most dungeon stuff is optimized for 3D printing. We mentioned Fat Dragon Games, one of the very first people to move into this space professionally um, uh, into 3D printing. A lot of their stuff, most of their stuff, uh, all of their stuff, question mark, is optimized for um, printing on these these, these older style FDM, printers, these yep. filament FDMers. And they are cheap. You can get in for under $200 to get a filament printer. They, You set it up you know, in an out-of-the-way area where the pets can't get to it because you don't want the cat stepping on your, your print while it's working. And you, they make a little bit of noise, but they're, they're not toxic. There's, there's none of that concern about whether or not you have the right gloves. And it's an easy way to get into the hobby. The, the bit most daunting task of a, of a FDM printer is just maintaining it with the, the small little repairs and maintenance you have to do with it. And that initial putting it together, uh, that, that can take a little while. With a resin printer, uh, it, it's, it's almost good to go out of the box. But with these FDM printers, it's a couple of hours that you're going to be spending, uh, especially if it's your first time putting it together. But when you're done, you can just set it aside in your office let it run and and you're fine. It's great. Just how about uh, uh, getting it off the build plate? Is that rough or just not really. right off for you? Okay, it's no more, no more difficult than getting it off of a resin printer. Uh, like m the one that I would recommend, uh, your first intro printer if you're going FDM, I really recommend the Elegoo Neptune Two or the Neptune Two Pro. Another common one to getting into is the Ender Three, um, and most of the modern ones like the Ender Three V Two come with like flex plates and stuff like you have. So you remove the plate, you flex it, you pull the print off, you take the little spatula and you get the print off. Clean it up with a little bit of rubbing alcohol to every so often to get your oil, the oils off so everything sticks down real good. Slap it back on there. Make sure your bed's level and you're good to go. You do have to level the bed often, but now they even make little auto-level sensor add-ons you can add to these things that make even that super easy. And the That's tech cool. is, is almost maxed out on these printers, and they work You know, they they work real dummy-proof almost anymore. It's still, of, of the two types of printers, this is definitely the more hobby side because... There's a whole subculture in the FDM side about like customizing your printer with new add-ons and new bed plates and, and I'm going to replace the driver and new springs. And if you want to get into that, FDM is, is great. And if you're doing terrain and dungeon tiles, that is, that's your baby. But then let's say you're like us and you love the miniatures. And because that's, that's really where my excitement is, honestly, it's just like all these cool miniatures. I like both. I like both. But these cool miniatures are great. So I want to print a whole batch of orcs. Um, you need a resin printer. FDM printers can print. There's a, again, a subculture of the FDM world dialing those in so accurately that they can make, uh, artisan guild prints that look almost as good as resin. It's always going to be almost. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people can get into sanding and refining those prints and making great. And if you're, you're into that and want that level of time, but there's just something so great about popping that off the resin plate, giving it a good wash and you're priming, you're, you're good to go. If you want minis and, and small objects with like really good fine details, you want resin. And a resin printer is a printer where you have a vat, like we talked about earlier, with liquid inside. Something puts light onto the liquid to shape it onto a build plate which moves and collects it layer by layer and when you're done you got a cool looking 3d mini and it looks great and it's really fine detail uh the printers are getting so good right now that it's hard to even tell if like using one of the higher quality high-res printers that it was even 3d once i put a layer of primer on this model you're never gonna know it was a yeah i usually don't even see layers unless i did something weird with the temperature for a while i was pushing it um it's getting down like the 50s in my garage and that started to cause some weird layering to happen but generally speaking you have to really look to see the on, like on a saturn or mono mars 2 and those became in prominence with like became accessible to the hobbyists like with with them in the with the elgu 
Moon Mars, the Cubic Photon, and it's been a couple of years, and now there's a bunch of great printers on the market. If you were getting started, you want something like, uh, you want a beginner model with a monochrome screen. Why you want the monochrome screen is they print faster, they print easier, they print more accurately, they usually have higher resolution, and they last longer because the screens in these printers, because they're constantly being bombarded with UV light, are a consumable product you will have to replace eventually no matter what print you're using even the mono and uh yeah like uh, josh gray is uh, in chat saying injection molding is like 20 nanometers detailed generally and new 8k sonics are so close yeah then we just talked about the any cubic uh uh the any cubic 6k yep it mono is X. it's got a the mono x 6k it is 32 nanometers of detail so it is very close there josh to, to the best at injection. Um, and like, I, I don't have 20 nanometer eyes and I don't know that most of us do. Right, right. Well, and you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but my sprue skills are as likely to mess up detailing on an injection mold because I popped it off rough or whatever. So mm. I, I, for what I can see, yeah, I can't hardly tell usually. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to get going and you want miniatures, the resin, I recommend right now um, either getting a Elegoo Mars 2 or an Anycubic Mono or a Mars 3. Um, there's also the the Hallet um, from Creality. The same people that make the Ender is another good option. But right now, like today, uh, Anycubic is running a stupidly good sale on those yeah, Mono they're... Xs for like 160 some dollars. Yeah. Like this would be the time to grab those right before the holidays. Um, and, and, like, and do it now. Supply chains and everything. Do it fast. Yeah. So And that'll get you started. And those printers are basically level the build plate when you get them home, pour the resin in and good to go. But don't. Because there's another couple of things we would recommend when you get started. So you've got the printer and you're going to need supplies for the print because once you print something, you've got to process it and get it ready. If you're dealing with FDM, the printers usually come with everything you buy a better scraper because the scrapers that you get with these things are kind of good. So go to Home Depot, buy a nice little flat edge paint scraper and, and, and for a couple of bucks, bring that home. With FDM, you're good to go. They're going to come with the clippers and all the little things you need to remove the supports. You're fine. With resin, you're going to need a little bit more because after you print a product in resin, you have to clean it. Yep. Uh, you got to get the excess resin off of the, the model after it comes out of the stuff. And, and to do that, first, you're going to need nitrile gloves. Not latex gloves, nitrile gloves because resin goes through latex. So you can get these at auto stores uh, for a while during the, the pandemic. They were hard to get, but you're going to need, uh, but you can get them from auto parts stores. You can get them. Restaurant from, supply stores actually also. Yeah. Food supply stores have them. Um, you can get them in the medical grade stuff, but even those are still like, super expensive and hard to get these days. So I recommend sticking with like hardware stores, uh, restaurant stores, places like that. You can order them off Amazon uh, real easy these days too. But nitrile gloves. You do not want to get resin on your skin. That's the big problem. It's not like doom and gloom horribleness. It's an allergic reaction that you get on your skin. And some people it's worse than others. Uh, but you just don't want it on your skin. And if you're dealing with any sort of resin crafting at all, two-part resin crafting uh, or UV resin crafting, familiar with this. Uh, but, you know, use the gloves when you're handling it. And you need to wash it off. And you wash it off with alcohol. Or there's other options, but yeah, most popular is alcohol. I prefer denatured alcohol, which you can get from the hardware store by the gallon. Some people use acetone. If you use acetone, don't get your gloves on the acetone. It will eat through the nitrile eat gloves. Them. And I've heard that it can detail. If you... Yeah, yeah. It, it cleans super good. For a while, I was using acetone. Just dip the model in, pull the model out, you're done. I use the little booty tongs with some silicone grippers at the end to handle them. Just a little swirl. The cleanest I've ever gotten. But nice. just dealing with the acetone was like too much of a hassle. So I went back to denatured alcohol. Yeah, the mint green ones you just did were, were the denatured alcohol yeah this is denatured alcohol because they just look so clean and good um so you're going to need a couple of tubs to put the wash in or you could go get a washing cure station you want to get with the printers that have all this stuff set up for you and we talked about curing now after you've washed the print you need to cure it and this means to shine some uv light on it to find the harden that outer shell and toughen it up a little bit so that it's good to handle and it's like it's solid and useful for playing uh you can just Put it on a baking tray and set it out in the sunlight if you want you to can, do it that way. But it's it's usually tacky and if you yeah. get like 
debris or something that blows onto it well this is something because i do it big batches and yeah you can get something that's like yeah. stuck in your resin or ruins the surface of the resin so be careful with it make sure it's shielded right and make sure it's weighted down so like i don't know your whole tray of them doesn't <laughs> blow off in the wind and fall onto right. your grass so we mentioned you can use the sun, but most people buy a cheap UV light on on Amazon. You can get a good cheap UV light for this purpose. 405 wavelength is what you're looking for. Uh, and you can get those for like 15 bucks and then shine, put the models into a box and shine the light on them, flip them over so often. That's an option. What I've done personally is I have a little shoebox size container that I've lined with aluminum foil and cut a hole. And I put my models on a clear tray in there and shine the light in on top. That's my little hobo. But then yeah, I was using a nail nail dryer UV <laughs> thing. But but I've joined the point joined the real boy club with a, I got an Elegoo ring stable. Ooh. So I'm very excited for that. You used it yet? Just unboxed it and have uh, some of the terrain from the. Um, the ones we, we did the comparison i'm trying to remember the name oh, of it i should know what was our own printable term uh yes the tempest hold stuff yeah so i have some on that curing right now and the cure station really is like the, the they're not too expensive you can get a wash and cure uh, station for about two bucks you can get just the curing station from elegoo the murky for about 60 bucks yeah. and and uh and that's a that's a better way of doing it but you can just build it yourself with a $15 you light and foil if we go that route, which is and the sometimes. route I chose. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Eventually, I want to get like the the new, it's they're completely out of stock, but I'm looking at getting the new version of the Elegoo Mercury Plus, the one that, right. that has two different stations and yep, fits with the, the washer build yeah. plate. I do kind of want the washer, I admit it, just because I, I do get tired. Don't switch, 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 yes. switch. <laughs> yeah. So, all together. And, and also like a bunch of paper towels buy a big pack of paper towels you're going so to many go paper through. towels so many <laughs> and i would recommend also getting like a couple of lunchroom trays so that like all your resin stuff yeah and the other thing to get if you're getting started with a resin printer is to get a screen protector you can get laptop screen protectors the they make custom screen protectors for every given printer now that has popular because Every so often, the a hole will be punched in your FEP because that's just a little flexible layer. Unless you've got the and cool freaking one that doesn't happen. have one. This yeah. will happen. And yes, I was going to call this one out myself because I have a Mono, Mono X paperweight right now because of oh, this no. situation. Oh, no. Ev yeah. Popped my FEP, just went out on the whole thing and oh, baked oh, right onto the curing screen. Oh. And uh, I, for those of you who aren't familiar with this technology yet, those are just coded. Uh, the, the LCD mm -hmm. screens are LED, LED screens are just coated and uh, one scrape of a scraper trying to get that off and it was mm -hmm. done. Yeah, you do not want to get resin on your screen. Now you can save it. They make plastic razor blades that people have successfully gotten it off in some situations, but that's still a lot of work. And it's a lot less work to just roll up that screen protector, throw it away, put yep. a new one on and never worry about it. I, the second I put, uh, when I got my... When I got my Saturn, when they were when they first came out, and they were so hard to get, and could not get them, and like they were like back ordered on Amazon, and everybody was rushing for restocks, I was paranoid to print without the screen protector, and I finally relaxed when I got my screen protector because I knew that that was an irreplaceable item for the next six months, and I did not want to end up without it. But get a screen protector, goodness sake! They're only like five bucks for a pack of them, so good lord! Get, unless you get the customs, and they're a little. And long. if you get the custom ones the mach 5 one i have it's mm -hmm. custom cut for it it has the little holes even for your your tank stand and everything and it mm -hmm. just is so easy and yeah the the sad moment you will have if you do not have one do not do it i have lived right. it i am your cautionary tale don't do it i and, and it's, it's such a preventable error and it's one of the things they they need to say i will say when you are doing your washing the whether you use it with a, a, a two-part wash which is the way i do it where i have a, a dirty tank and a clean tank filled with alcohol the, the part goes in the dirty tank first to get most of the resin off then i rinse it off in the clean tank of alcohol to like rinse the old bad alcohol off and then then that is a done clean mini when it's time to remove supports you want in my opinion after having printed 
a couple of thousand miniatures at this point. Um, the best way to do that is to remove supports before you do the final cure, not after, because the dimples will not be as bad because the resin is still soft at that point. 100% more likely, and more likely to break. And the best way to do that is to just fill up a little bowl with warm water. It doesn't even have to be hot water, just some warm water. Dunk the mini into the warm water to get it nice and, and squishy and loose. And then very carefully just pull the supports off. They come off like butter. Like butter, yeah. Uh, you gave me that that call you know that that tip and man uh just so good i, I go pretty hot I, I did have one sword on a mixed resin batch warp but really i've not i've noticed any loss of detail and it's just so much better it comes off the, the pock marking sonic hot water yes and we talked about removing supports but we didn't talk about what a support is so you've got your printer you've got all your equipment you're ready to print you've got the screen protector on so you're not going to break your screen and have to replace it day two of owning your printer uh and it's time to print. What do you do? Well, if you bought files from any of the professional, like, for sale stuff, you've got your Artisan Guild, your Art Villain Game, Crippled God Foundry. Their models come pre-supported. You need to have support on the models because it it, it can't print a piece in midair. So in order to print a piece, something has to be the blow to support it. And if a sculpt is really complex... That means that certain parts of the model, as it starts to print layers, would literally just be floating in midair. So they have to bring a support up to just be like, it's just a little, think of it like a sprue if you're buying a traditional. That's There's a something that that liquid it, yeah. had to get to, to get to the part of the mini. And you have, you're done with the mini, you pull it off, but it's just to support the mini while it's getting made. Don't have those supports. Uh, they won't print. Now you can support the minis yourself. You can use auto support mm -hmm. systems uh, in your slicing software. I recommend the um, the Presa Slicer. Auto supports are wonderful, and they do a great job of supporting minis uh, as a way to get started. Uh, there's lots of videos out there from 3D Printing Pro on how to do the manual support yourself. Because the less supports you have, the less like loss of detail. And but the more supports you have, the better the chance it's going to print successfully. And getting that perfect balance is often difficult, which is why having pre-supported minis from the companies that make the minis is so great but eventually you're going to have to support some minis yourself before you print them in your slicer the slicer yeah. is the piece of software that takes in the 3d model and translates it into instructions on how to print it that your printer will understand your printer will come with a slicer or you can download the slicer from a company's website that goes with your printer. that is something that you'll have you get the printer software but once you start scaling or kit bashing your pre-supports are going to become an obstacle and that right. can cause glitches or you might move it to a scale where the pre-support isn't adequate enough mm -hmm. or that it becomes so chunky breaks them or the bad mark comes off so if you're if you're noodling and playing around with stuff eventually you're going to need to do support yourself or use auto supporting mm -hmm. I, I i love auto supporting with just kind of a little bit of tweak and and yeah. alter your settings and it's going to be you know your own preferences obviously and i recommend experimenting um you know network especially with other people who have your printer specifically join those watch stuff for your specific specific printer because it does vary even even slight differences can make all the difference and we've got some new people joining us uh so again if you uh we are taking questions live so if you've got any questions about 3d printing the topic right now is getting started 3d printing now we're talking about supports and supports themselves and doing custom supports and auto supports that's a topic of itself that we'll get into at a later date uh, but you just do know that you're going to deal with supports in some fashion you buy them either they're going to provide them or you're, if you're customizing it all you're going to uh, and it's not super difficult to learn to do. Uh, it takes a little. Yeah, don't be afraid of it. Um, sometimes you're going to have to rearrange how a fig or, or any any print is on your tray. And like maybe you're going to want to turn it on its side to get it out faster. Mm -hmm. You know, you're running out of time or whatever. And if you do that standing straight up, like it maybe came in the pre-support, it'll double the print time. So like right. things like that, you're going to want to do and, and tweak with it. And you're going to you're going to have to support your figs eventually mm -hmm. a little. And finally, when you're done printing, you're going to have a bunch of waste. The remove supports um you're going to have failed prints uh, everybody felt has some failed prints that just didn't print correctly uh, you're going to get goop on things how do you dispose of this stuff respectfully and responsibly and safe uh with with um with fdm printing just throw that stuff in the garbage it's just plastic you're done with it you can recycle it you can uh you can throw it in the garbage it doesn't really matter uh that stuff is just that's just just plastic with resin printing that stuff is toxic to touch so first 
whenever you clean anything, have some alcohol on hand to clean. Um, I put a little bit of alcohol in the spritzer bottle that I keep near my printing station. And I use that spritzer bottle to clean everything to clean the mat when I'm done, tools if I need to. That's a really good tip. I have I have not done yeah. that. I do that. And it's really useful for cleaning out the, the to change collars or to uh, replace a, a epi or something. And then just simply, this is where the sun comes in. Again. Put that stuff on the tray, put it outside in the sun, let the sun cure that resin, evaporate that alcohol, and you're good. Once that has happened, that stuff can go in the trash and you're done. Do yep. not pour resin down the drain. It oh, is no. the, like it is a to touch. You don't want to touch because it causes allergic reaction. This stuff is very toxic to drink or get in your eye. You don't want to do that. We don't want to scare you off from the hobby, but don't pour resin down the drain. Even water washable stuff. Do not water wash in your sink. Do not pour that stuff down the drain. You do not want to toxify the drinking water table in your area. If you're on a wet, you just don't want that stuff. Do not want that stuff in your water system. And then I think that's a bit it. Like once you just watch your videos on supporting a uh, 3d printing pro is the best video place to watch for supports. The that's a good starting kit. And then from there, you can upgrade to cool new printers and cool accessories and find cool models. And finding models themselves to print is its own topic. Um, but do the websites, I will say right now, uh, Thingiverse and My Mini Factory are where you should get started. Those two yep. websites. Thingiverse is for the free files and My Mini Factory for the paid files. Uh, and you'll find lots of fun stuff to print there. If you're into cosplay and superhero stuff, this isn't the co- this isn't the podcast. This isn't called print your statues. This isn't called right, print your right. costumes. But but there's also like a ton of stuff for cosplay and like there's a really big scene for RC cars thing right now. That's also really cool. I was not aware of that. Yeah, there's there's a few different hobbies that really love to print besides us gamers. But there's that and and that'll get you started. I think that's it. Is there anything else that they would need to know for for getting started? Uh, don't be scared. It's easier than you think. It's safer than you think. Um, yeah, you need to be careful, but don't be scared. And uh, I'm going to say it again. Buy a screen protector. Yeah, buy the screen protector. They don't tell you this. In, nobody tells you this in, until you join the support groups, um, which I've said before, are the groups that tell you that your model failed because they were support. Right. And uh, join a community specific to your printer and watch videos for setting it up that are community created. Oftentimes the company ones are sparse. And that brings us to the next segment of today, which is the news. Let's start talking about what's happening in printing right now. And the first thing I want to draw attention to is an upcoming 3D printer, which is going to completely change how we think of 3D printers if it works. If it works. And it seems to work because they've got some actual footage of it working and detail and example prints. And I'm talking about the Hi-Tri Rocket 1. And this is a 3D printer without a vat. And for those of you who do not know how 3D printing works with resin printer, this is a resin 3D printer that doesn't have a vat, or at least not a traditional vat that we're used to thinking of, where you pour the liquid into a tray and the tray has a clear plastic bottom. And then the light cures the layer on the plastic tray and then the build plate peels the layer off the tray. And we talked last week about how making the tray tilt uh, makes that so much faster. Well, Hytrial was like, what if it doesn't exist at all? Then it's infinitely faster. And that's what they do. So this prints upside down. The build plate is submerged into a, a well, um, a tub of goo, a tub of 3D printed resin. And it rises to just almost the surface. And then a light, uh, a projector from above shines light onto the floating goo and solidifies that layer onto the build plate. And then it just lowers a little bit and it does it again and again and again. And this has a few different advantages. First, if this works right, humongous advantage in speed because like you don't have to do that peel. The build plate isn't moving very much. It's only moving that little, like whatever your layer height is, which is usually like half of 0.05 millimeters. So incredibly tiny amount. Secondly, one of the reasons that 3D printing with accuracy in resin is so hard is because the resin is still a little bit gooey even after it takes that initial cure and will warp easily with the peel force of pulling it off of the the uh, the FEP. So uh, this won't happen with the printer of this style, with the high tree, uh, because 
there's nothing peeling. There's no suction force that it's trying to overcome. You don't have to worry about drainage holes in, in hollow objects. Well, you do to get the resin out, but not to get the air out. Uh, you right. don't have to worry about your supports being super robust so that they can resist the suction force of peeling that layer off. This means lighter supports are going to be possible because all it has to do is just barely hang on to the, 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 the edge of the layer or just have something for it to not float away into the goop. It just needs to just barely attach, not to actually, you know, resist a humongous amount of force. Uh, that and sounds amazing. Like, yeah, uh, my, the the nemesis of my life in now is bases, and I think for that build, it's not gonna it's not gonna have the same sort of issues uh, with bases. And because I've had bases both with you know peeling layers pop off, and I've had b- bases warp off, like you were talking about. Even mm-hmm. just during the cure of the print, I've had the base warp and, and then fall off. And if a base falls off in the middle of your job, this is something people should probably be aware of. It, anytime you have a failure, it can cause the whole rest of your trade to fail so like huge i i'm super excited by this super impressive i've got the video of it kind of uh on screen here and you uh you can see that they're showing them it's so accurate on the warping they're showing it printing lenses uh for for eyeglasses out of this stuff and i really hope this tech catches on uh they're doing a uh, a kickstarter they say at the end of november to take pre-orders for this machine at starting at 600 bucks so it's not even very expensive um i don't know if it's going to use standard resins or if it's going to need special resins or what but the machine it's oh they're showing it just pouring in a bottle of elegu there for a second so i'm assuming just standard um but this yeah. could revolutionize 3d printing uh there is some advantage disadvantages i can see that um there's all you're not going to be able to use up 100% of that resin because you have to submerge the build plate uh, a certain amount to get height out of it. So you're going to always need more, a little bit more resin than you need with a traditional uh, resin 3D printer. Um, but at the same time, this is absolutely a game changer for accuracy, for speed, for delicacy, for precision. If this works... And, you know, the video shows it working, so I'm hopeful that it does. If this is staged, they staged it really well. But at the it, same time, it looks I, incredible. Hope, I hope to goodness something like this is able to, to come along. Um, I did not think I would be getting rid of my Saturn anytime soon, uh, even with the next news. Like, it makes the next news item a little bit, like, anticlimactic. Right. Because, right. I mean, it's, other... like, it's, it's a good thing, but yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, next in the news, we have, uh, mono X six K, right? Yeah. The, the, any cubic mono X, uh, six K, the mono X came out a little bit right near the Saturn's launch. And it's basically any cubics version of the Saturn. They're almost identical part for part, uh, uh, performance for performance. It's a mono screen, 4k screen. And so this Very is the update similar. to that with a six K screen. Which I is... actually own both a Mono X and uh, and the Saturn and the machining. I will say I slightly favor the Saturn. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Okay. Yeah, and and I I don't have a preference on either. I I, I have the Saturn. I have a lot of good experience with Elgu, so that's kind of where my heart lies at the moment. Uh, but at the same time. You know, if a new good printer comes out, I'm going to look in that direction when it's time to replace. The Absolutely. 6K puts it on par with the resolution density of the new Mars 3. Mm-hmm. So that like really nice, crisp details. Um, and I think that for some people, this is going to be a good option. If I was buying a new one, I would get this one. Um, it wasn't too much more expensive. Uh, it's the because the Mars 3 has some really primo crisp items now for me personally i'm happy with my saturn my 4k saturn it prints sharp enough for me uh, my eyes aren't quite enough to and my is just like it's supposed to do this that so goes well. got it you got it yeah so like yeah. these orcs are printed on the saturn 4k and they look really nice and crisp and it would be hard for me to see uh the the detail difference like we're reaching the point where to see the detail difference you really start to pull out like magnification um, yeah yeah but I can hey. see it maybe like that fleshcraft thing I'm printing. Mm-hmm. Um, had a teeny bit of loss of detail, but again, that might have just been me messing with that black resin. I don't know. That that brings that up. Uh, the next uh, set of news items really is just reminders for a bunch of Kickstarters that are going around that you might not want to miss. Uh, one is Tempest Hold, which is a terrain Kickstarter uh, from our Unprintable Terrain. Now, I've uh, done a lot uh, of their uh, the city, their, their Birchwood set was a really cool forest set and i like 
getting cool trees and cool elven ruined buildings. Uh, this is more of a ruined city that they're putting together and is coming with a 5e adventure and a slew of miniatures to play around with. Um, very realistic proportions on those miniatures. They sent us a sample set to check out. Uh, I printed some pieces. I know, Christian, you printed some pieces. Yes, I did. I did print the uh, some wall segments, and um, unfortunately, due to operator error, I think their bases failed on me. So, oh. But the but I did also get their blood mage printed, and yeah. that's that fig looks really cool. The blood mage is a cool looking vampire. I really like their their female warrior with the spear and one of the sword. Mm-hmm. I can see, totally see that being fate stay night character. Um, but one thing I wanted to print out is you and me both got the printed the same piece of terrain, but you printed it on your Saturn. So how was printing terrain on your Saturn? Uh, you know, actually I was really, really happy with it. Um, I, I, I had, was a little nervous, especially, you know, with possible drainage or whatever issues or whatever, but, um, it cured really solidly. Uh, the supports little teeny bit of pocking on the underside, but you know, it sits just fine. It's not warped. Um, it's really, really solid and, um, painted up very nicely. Uh, I'm very happy with it actually. And this was a, meant to be a supportless piece. Did you just print it flat on the build plate and go? I, I didn't. I did actually put supports on it, but I just did kind of a bed of um, supports underneath it, and then I did uh, some stuff on the sides. I do think it would have printed just fine without the supports, but just a habit at this point. So I printed that same piece off in um, in FDM. Just give and it a second. I, it's going to work. I know it. No, I have it believe in your camera. Kind of, <laughs> camera hates me. Camera hates. Does it have darn mode on it? it it's like, it's out of the mode that's supposed to be product showcase mode, and it there. I'm just there went. So I printed the same piece off in FDM. It's this ruined wall with the arch, and I can totally... I can... It looks great in FDM because it's a piece of train, but after seeing your really smooth bricks, I'm kind of jealous. Um, did you get an estimate on how much uh, resin that used or how much it cost you in resin to get that? Uh, you know, I did that with a tray of um, Rotter stuff, and I think the whole thing was estimated at $3. So this was about uh, $5 for the whole tray I did of like four segments of this wall and a platform. So yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to run some more tests on terrain on large format resin printers and see if it really is. Like people, when you they say, can we print terrain in resin? Like a billion people come out of the woodwork saying, don't print your terrain in resin, it'll cost you a fortune. Um, And I'm really curious as to like, well, how much? Because yeah, it wasn't really that bad. Yeah, like twice as much. Like I'll pay twice as much of the tiny amount of cost if it means a great jump in quality. Uh, but of course, even with a Saturn, the build plate size is not anywhere near an F. Oh yeah, this plate. almost went side to side. I think I think I had one one fig off to the right of it. But yeah, it was a big big chunky piece. And this is like a uh, this is like a six inch uh, this is like a six inch long wall segment we're talking about with a big arch and uh, I will say I like... that the FDM the the Christmas on the bottom for for level I mean like I don't, I, there wasn't much warm warping with mine but I do like how that looks the edge looks really sharp. Because the one big advantage with FDM printers is like dimensional accuracy you get to stick with that. I like I like printing my movement trays my my game aid and things like that. Where I just can't, like, I just can't handle the warping. So we've got, uh, you put some other uh, ones you want to call out here. Runes of Hollow Hill from Crippled God Foundry. Why'd you bring this one in the list? I- I've supported the Patreon for quite a while, and it's a it's a big uh, value uh, of terrain pieces. But um, again, very uh, cool ruined uh, buildings and. Oddly, actually probably would go really well if you did a batch paint with it with Tempest Hold stuff. You could probably cobble together kind of a whole ruined settlement. Um, But the value is just huge playable uh, interior stuff and platforms. I think oftentimes you don't see a lot of buildings with multiple levels. And I think there's a couple different um, kind of burned out buildings. Good for wargaming, good for yeah, obviously for D&D Pathfinder and stuff. But um, I really just was impressed with it. And there's a good side cart of uh, minis as well. I've had Huge my eye on this one because like I'm wanting to do a, uh, I've talked about this a bit before, but I'm going to do a some Dark Souls-esque uh, builds or it's like for playing in Frostgrave or Mordheim or those old like exploring a ruined city type style of games and this this terrain really goes well with it the shadow face stuff works really well for it the the frost guard stuff obviously um it, it's good space i will say this is a bit on the expensive side for a terrain kickstarter i saw um like it's 171 dollars for the all-in pledge Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um. the The larger buildings are pretty neat, but I w- I will say maybe it's not as big a value as as the um, Tempest Hold it for sure. Right. 
Yeah, so like it's definitely a, a there's it looks good quality, but like that price tag it bounced me. You know, maybe I'm maybe I'm just I'm sure it looks great though, and uh, I do like Cripple God fan. Cool. The, um, want to move on to the next one? Yeah, Yokai Encounter. So this one I wanted point out just because it is uh one of the very like we talked about flavor and customization and this is sort of creatures it's getting more popular with some of the patreons out there but they just very uh, like specific monsters very specific like uh setup for for a custom encounter and um just to kind of have a one and done you know drop that little investment and and get this whole setup of a bunch of reviews. Uh, I thought it was a, a nice little call out and it's only got 10 days. So I want to be uh, anything else you want to shout out to. You had a couple more Kickstarters you to shout out. Yes. Yes. Uh, mostly some, some time sensitive ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Titan craft heroes, uh, Andrew Stockton. It is kind of like a hero forge sort of setup. Um, okay. That only has eight days left. Uh, obviously you'll be able to buy STLs on it later, but uh, there's some good deals. If you can jump in there soon, uh, but- if you're store info so on that. I have yeah, some go ahead. info on this one. This used to be desktop heroes. This is a so what they're this Kickstarter is converting the old desktop heroes uh into the new Titancraft, which was a monster creation version of desktop heroes, so right, it's a better right. piece of software. Uh so this is funding that. It is way overfunded. Um yep, yep. and the and desktop heroes is like Hero Forge. But you don't buy the models one at a time. You just buy the set uh the, the, right, the theme right. sets. Sorry, go ahead. I, I, no, it's I, okay. It's also got more posable, at least from my perspective. It, the things were a lot more posable. You could like do like handstands and stuff and crazy stuff that I saw on some of the sets. Uh, there's a really cool steampunk set. Uh, that's another reason I would check it out. But yeah, it looks it looks pretty cool. And then I just wanted to throw six days left on troops of the Napole- Napoleonic Wars. If you're doing um, like a you know empire like i think back to classic old gw empire that some of those figs would work for it obviously if you're doing historical um but it's a ton of figs uh and a pretty reasonable price it looked like uh those were the ones i just want to throw out and then um non-kickstarter related uh i just wanted to give a shout out to puppets war miniatures they do kind of like a games workshop adjacent 40k stuff they did some little tyranid stuff and some space marine stuff the alternate stuff uh uh other uh We'll say non-traditional uh, heads and stuff for your, your figs to mod them out. But uh, they actually are the drawing that I got my curing station from. And I just wanted to say thanks. Excellent. I will say with Napoleonic stuff, Salu just happened, which is a big war game invention over in Europe. And it's focused on historicals. And it was a time that I got reminded that as much as we love uh, fantasy games, as much as we love our Warhammer, our Kings of War, our D&D, the most popular miniature game is still Napoleonics by a yep. huge margin. Yeah, and- our best hobby store locally is, is fueled by that. And it has all, all the paints and all the fun stuff for my fantasy stuff is because of Napoleonic. So. All right, everyone, that is going to bring this episode to a close. Thank you all very much for joining us. If you wish to support us, you can do so by liking and subscribing uh, wherever you saw this video or heard this podcast. We very much appreciate it. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes because we are on iTunes now. We We're are also on, on Spotify. We're waiting for Google to approve us. Uh, those do help get the episodes out to more people. You can also check us out at printyourgames.com, the website for the podcast and again thank you very much for joining us we want to hear your comments you can email us at print your games uh at podcast at print your games.com and uh you can reach out to us there so until next time remember you can be your own game store and remember to print your games bye everybody